Thank you everyone for bowing your heads and praying with us. Um, and uh, in the absence of Stan and the Macmillans, thanks for bearing with me today. I hope it's, uh, hope it's okay. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Josh, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, sorry, Asante, I have to call you out. Makes a video and puts her Instagram handle throughout the video. So she, if, you, if, you, if you don't follow Asante on Instagram already, <laughs> it's there for all to see. <laughs> so well done, and thanks for all the enthusiasm, and um, it really is cool to see so many guys in C and I have the incredible privilege of leading a, a home group of young people, and uh, honestly, you guys inspire us. Saying yes to every mission trip that Glenridge has, honestly, if there's a mission trip happening, half our home group is like, hands up, they're going, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's got nothing to do with me or Sarah, let me tell you. It's got to do with them being gripped with just a deep faith and conviction in Jesus. And uh, that's what we want to see in our church. And so, oh, I've got a timer. Hey, it's all happening here. Um, also, I'd just like to, there were some rumors going around that because of this beautiful stage, there would be a prophetic dance that I would do for you. Hilton, I'd just like to let you know that that won't be happening this morning. So I just want to settle that once and for all. Um, but over the last month or two, we've been going through this series on the book of First Thessalonians. Um, and as the, the slide says, the church of Thessalonica was a port city church that influenced the nation with the love of Jesus. And uh, something that Paul commends the Thessal Thessalonians repeatedly for was, was their faith. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, it says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 8, it says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. And last week, Stan, Stan preached from 1 Thessalonians 4, and he, and he preached on what does it mean to be a church or a people that lives a life that is pleasing to God. And as Stan said, to please God, you have to live by faith. And we, we all know the scripture Hebrews 11 verse 6 that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so this morning, I want to unpack a little bit of what, uh, of why Paul commended the Thessalonians about their faith and what it looks like to be a people in a church that live by faith. Uh, we'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 6, but before we give, get there, I'd love to, by way of introduction, take us back to Acts verse 17, where the church of Thessalonians was built. I think it's so important to understand the context into which this church was birthed and to why, why they are s spoken about as this model church and why it was so incredible for Paul to commend their faith. And so Thessalonica was a, a bustling seaport city. It was a very important communication and trade route in the Roman Empire. It was a trade center in the middle of a very important trade route in the Roman Empire. It was the largest city in, its, in Macedonia, which was the area it was in, and was the capital of its province. So it was a city of significance, and it was also a city of diversity. You know, you had trade route coming through, so you had people of different cultures and everything mixing in this port city. Very, very similar to Durban in many ways. 
And um, because it was such a trade center, there were so many cultures and creeds that coexisted, and it was also a very polytheistic society, lots of different gods, no one truth. Um, it was kind of an anything-goes kind of place. Um, it was a Greek city, and so you had the Greek gods. We all know the Greek gods um, and their temples and their statues. And then you had the Jews with their synagogues and, uh, and their religious practices. And then you had the Romans and their gods. And, and most importantly, uh, the Romans had their king, Caesar, who they, they worshipped like a god. And uh, everyone under Roman rule was expected to bow to Caesar. And uh, so this was the context to which Paul came to, Thessalon uh, to Thessalonica in Acts 17. And so we, we're actually going to read from Acts 17 verse 1, um, which speaks about the, the birth of this church. Um, so in Acts 17 verse 1 it says, this is from the NIV version, um, when Paul and his companions had, had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am preaching, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you, is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a few very prominent women. Verse 5, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And so this is, this is the birth of the church in, Thessalonians, in Thessalonica. This is... Uh, as I said before, this, this society was very poly polytheistic, many gods. Everything, everything goes. Everyone worshipped their own god or a mixture of different gods, and they bowed to the Roman king Caesar. There was no one truth, and this is very similar to our society today. We, we live in a society that hates being told what to do. Don't come here. You can do your thing. I'll do my thing, but don't you impose your thing on me, because I'm not here for that. And... Um, it was, it was quite common in those days for sort of, I don't know, cult, cult prophets or um, diviners to sort of come into towns and they'd, they'd call onto some new god and they'd, you know, people would pay them to bless them. And I mean, Chish, we see that today still. And so um, people, that, that, was, and that, that was very common in the day. And so when Paul arrived, People probably thought, oh, here's another, another guy with a cool story and we're going to have to pay him. And, you know, they'd, they'd seen this show before. But Paul came with a completely different message. When Paul came to Thessalonica, he challenged their whole way of life. He told them about Jesus the Messiah, the one true God and King. And, Jesus, and this Jesus that he reasoned with them about wasn't happy to share the stage with all of these other gods. 
He preached that Jesus was the only God, the only King. And this gospel message is Jesus plus nothing. And this is what caused such an uproar in Thessalonica. The Jews who had just murdered Jesus a few years before would have taken this as blasphemy and were jealous of the number of followers that Paul was getting. And the Romans didn't accept this new teaching because Paul said that Jesus is the only king. In this place, Jesus above Caesar, who, and this was treason in their eyes. And, um, and so what's clear here is that the church of Thessalonica was birthed in the midst of hostile religious and political opposition and persecution. Paul, Paul was only able to spend a few weeks, maybe months, we're not quite sure, with this new church before he had to leave because it got so hostile. It says in verse 18 of, of Acts um, 17, as soon as it was, oh sorry, in chapter 18, as soon as it was night, the the believers sent Paul and Silas away. He had to leave them because it was so, it was so hostile and they were being so persecuted. And so Paul comes here, he he delivers his message, he stays with them, he lives with them, he teaches them about the gospel, and then he, and then he leaves. And so he, he leaves this church, not in, in a, in a healthy state, but in the midst of severe persecution, they, they, they were being attacked from all sides. Politically, religiously, they were, they were under attack. And uh, he had no way of staying in touch with them. And so he feared the worst and worried that you know, all his work had been in vain. And so a while later, he sends Timothy, his companion, back to Thessalonica to see if there's still a church left, you know, um, and to see how they're doing. And so that is the context to which we found ourselves in 1 Thessalonians. And um, we're going to now read from 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 5, um, which, which says, For this reason, this is Paul speaking, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that our labors might have been in vain. And so Paul sends Timothy to go and find out what the story is. And uh, so Timothy goes to Thess- Thessalonica, and he returns. And now in verse 6, the title of um, chapter 3, verse 6 is Timothy's encouraging message. And this, is, this is what I want to get to today. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and your love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all of the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking to your faith. And so not only is this church still surviving, but they are thriving. And Tim, Timothy brings back good news about their faith and their love. In fact, early in the book, Paul even refers to them as a model church. A model church that uh, we can aspire to, to look something like. And the, just remember, this is in the midst of incredible persecution. And this church, yeah, like I said, birthed in the midst of severe perse- persecution and faced public abuse and attack every single day. A bit later in Thessalonians, Paul writes to them about dealing with the death of believers, which might suggest that some of them had been killed. They had been martyred. 
um, uh, because of their faith in Jesus. And yet they are commended for their great faith. And as I said, they are called a model church of that day. And so when we think of a church that we want to model these days, we think of, geez, look at that church and the incredible worship, or look at that church and the incredible venue and their facility or their sound system, or geez, if only we had the number of people in our church that that, that church has. That's a model church, you know. Um, but the real question we need to be asking is, are we a church of great faith? In the midst of severe persecution and severe attack, are we standing firm? Are we a church of great faith? And what, what does being a church of great faith mean? Um, there, there are three things that I think we can learn from the Thessalonians. And um, these, are, yeah, these are the three points we're going to go through today. Number one, their faith was in Jesus. Number two, their faith encouraged others. Number three, their faith became known everywhere. And so, if we just look at that first point, their faith was in Jesus. In a society where there were many idols and gods and things that wanted their attention, the Thessalonians gave it all up and put their faith and hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. Their assurance and confidence was in Jesus. It, it speaks about the, you know, hope, faith, and love at the beginning of Thessalonians, one of the most well-quoted scriptures of all time, and we've stand, spoken, preached from it previously. But when we think of faith and hope, we think of like hope, like I really hope this happens. I really, it's, there's no weight behind it. You know, when I say, you I really hope the weather's good today, it's, it's, there's no substance behind what I'm saying. If I say, or what are my examples here? Um, you know, I have hope or I have faith that he will do the right thing. I have no idea if you're going to do the right thing, but I kind of hope you will. And that's kind of often what we think of when we talk about the words hope and faith. Or, you know, that one good deed really restores, we hear the saying, that really restores my faith in society. Society is going to let you down tomorrow, and then you're going to go back to square one. And so I think we use those words very, it's not in the context with which Paul talks about it in Thessalonians when he says, your faith and your hope is incredible. And we, we often put faith in people, like Stan, Stan having faith in me to preach today, when, when he's in Nasna. Now, although he has faith and hope in me to deliver a good preach that is somewhat theologically sound, he definitely is not 100% sure that how this preach will go. And uh, there's such thing as misplaced faith in, uh, in, in people. But in Jesus, faith in Jesus, however, there's 100% assurance. Faith in Jesus is showed by the Thessalonians. That their faith was unwavering in the midst of severe hardship. They were 100% convinced by the saving and redeeming power of Jesus Christ. There, there's weight behind their hope and faith. There is certainty, like 100% certainty. It's not just like a, oh, I have faith. No, it's I know that I know that I know that the God that I'm serving is worth persecution, attack, my family disowning me, my business being taken away from me. It's worth it all because he's worth it all. And so they are gripped with a deep faith, a deep conviction of Jesus. And um, as, as it says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, which is speaking on faith in action. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Faith in Jesus is building your life on the rock of Jesus. He is our foundation and he is our great assurance. 
In Matthew, we know this parable, but we're going we're gonna to read it from Matthew 7, verse 24. It's the, the wise and the foolish builder. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a, a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. In this parable, Jesus didn't say, hear my words and put into practice and there'll be no wind and no rain that'll blow against you. He said, build your house on the rock, build your life on me. As we sang today, you are my firm foundation. So that when the wind comes and when the rain blows, you can stand firm in the faith and assurance that I have, that I am with you and I've saved you. The Thessalonians faced some pretty strong winds and rains, and yet they stood firm in their faith. Faith, faith stands the test of time. It's, it's not a nice feeling you get in an emotionally charged, spirit-filled moment. It's a lifelong journey that's it's forged in fire. Faith is deep. If, faith, if the faith that the Thessalonians had in Jesus was, was conditional of them feeling all warm and fuzzy, they would have wavered. No, their faith was deep and it stood firm. They followed Jesus no matter the cost because they understood the eternal treasures that awaited them and had a deep conviction of the truth and the life that was in Jesus Christ. It wasn't a fickle thing. Yes, we're going to get to, yes, it does waver. We have moments in our life where, geez, we, we're not feeling it, where we feel like all hope's gone. And that faith is wavering. But that comes to our second point. Their faith encouraged others. Paul says in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress, speaking about him and Silas and, and Barnabas, in all our distress um, and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live. For you are standing firm in the Lord. Paul says, we really live. I really live because I can see you are standing firm in the Lord. That is the most selfless thing. I think we have become so selfish in the church. In, in this, and I'm the most to blame. You hear, you hear a great story and you're like, flip, I wish that was my story. Or, you, you know, or yo, that church is doing so well. Flip, I wish that was, my, this, it was this church. Yet Paul says, no, I really live because you are standing firm in the Lord. And um, Paul, in the midst of his own persecution and distress, he is encouraged because of the faith of the, of the Thessalonians. And, um, and so we, we serve the same God. We need to encourage, be encouraged that if, if God has done it for you, he will do it for me too. And, and in our distress, let us be encouraged by each other's faith. We share in each other's sufferings and victories. And the church helps to grow faith. Paul was so encouraged by the Thessalonians and uh, even in his suffering. And so when the oceans roar, roar around you and your faith is weak, it's where you run to the church and we get encouraged by each other. Tyrant, Tyrant Daniels says, says, you can love the church and not love Jesus, but you cannot love Jesus and not love his church. It is so critical. You, you cannot do it alone. And um, we live in a world where there's content everywhere. Uh, you can find a better preach than this on YouTube. You can find better worship and sometimes more spirit-filled worship than this 
on YouTube. We live in a world where there is all the best preachers in the world are available to us in podcasts, in sermons online. And so you don't come here on a Sunday to hear the best preach you've ever heard. But you come here for relationship, for discipleship. Online, there's no relationship, there's no discipleship, there's no friends and family around you to encourage you when your spirit is weak or keep you accountable when your faith is waning. John Tyson, he leads a church in New York, and they're actually doing a series on this very book at the same time as us, which is quite cool. He says he went to seminary school, like Bible college, I guess, and he says, I remember very little from seminary school, but I remember everything from the men that, men that discipled me. And... Um, and so that's why church, and can also just say home groups are so key. 10% of discipleship might happen on a Sunday. Maybe 1%, 99% happens doing life together. Yes, Paul spent a few months with them, but he was in their homes, living with them, doing life with them, spurring each other on. We've been doing a series at home group, or we did one called he, based on the series we did here called He Is, where we looked at the characteristics of God. And the whole heart behind it was, can we just develop deep wells? That our faith doesn't waver. So that when our home group, we, we group of young guys, we're going to be all over the world one day. When we're all over the world, sometimes it might get lonely. Sheesh, we've got deep wells where we know who God is. And we know that our faith won't wane. Because we have a deep understanding of who He is. And that's what happens in home group. That's what happens in life together. Is we, we encourage one another. So the last point, their faith became known everywhere. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 8 says, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Can I just say, a move of God will get noticed. It doesn't need a clever marketing team or a great social media campaign. A real and powerful move of God in the midst of people of great faith will get noticed. You don't need to announce it or advertise it. You don't need to say, hey world, we're a people of great faith, look at us. They'll already be looking. Great faith and a community that loves Jesus and makes much of him will be heard about and the news of them and their message will ring out as it did with the Thessalonians. It doesn't say their great worship or their clever preaching became known. It says their faith in God became known everywhere. Now I do understand we live in a particular cultural and societal context and we are called to reach the lost in our context and ask God for ways to reach the lost in our city. And that is going to require new we've got to reach the generation in front of us here so it does mean that um sometimes it looks very practical like recording preachers and putting them on youtube because people are more receptive to visual media but if the roots of everything we do is not founded on a deep and unwavering faith in jesus unwavering faith in jesus then it is all in vain we are not here to fill seats we are here to present our beautiful Jesus to those who have never heard him and to live a life of faith that is pleasing to God. And as I said, as we are a people of great faith, this faith in God will become known everywhere because it's not about us, it's about him and his glory being made known. In closing, I just want to remind us that Glenridge was a church that was birthed by a group of radical young people with incredible faith. They had unwavering faith in Jesus and faith to see a city and a nation transformed by Jesus. Over this last weekend, uh, two weekends ago, when we celebrated the 40th birthday, we, it was just such a good reminder of, of the 
of the history of Glenridge, where we'd come from, what the DNA of the church was when it, when it was when it was birthed. And Glenridge, we are a people of great faith. It is in our DNA. It has been that way since the start, and it is like that today still. This church's history is rich with stories of God's incredible favor, and there are testimony upon testimony of God doing remarkable things with people who demonstrate incredible faith in Him. And while we are encouraged by these stories and testimonies, man, I want my own stories. I want, and you should too, I pray for testimonies of lost souls finding a home, healing miracles and supernatural provision from Jesus in our midst, stories of unwavering faith in the midst of cultural and political pressure, and stories of being radical for Jesus each and every day. This is my prayer for us, Glenridge. We have faith for the miraculous because we have faith in Jesus. It starts with developing an unwavering faith in Jesus. And um, I'd like to close with, with Hebrews, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. It's the end of that passage about faith in action. And uh, it's such a good charge to end with. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Glenridge, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith our solid rock, our eternal hope and our savior. Let us encourage one another in our faith and be there to celebrate in our victories together and share in our hardships together. And let us, full of faith in Jesus, see him and his kingdom be made known in every corner of the world. Amen.